All right, open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 28, and we will start right smack at the first verse. And the wicked man, the wicked man flees, though no one pursues. Now I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, what I prayed, and I want you to catch this. Whenever you see the wicked man, how many of you think, oh, that's, that's so-and-so, or that wicked man, that's that, that bad person who keeps doing, no, I want you to see the wicked person is you, it's me. When we choose to disconnect from the Lord and his spirit and the power of his spirit, and we start acting in our own flesh. And now, after all the Proverbs, after all of Paul's teaching, you can't miss that. The battle is self. We are our worst enemy. And when we fall to that self, when we let self get back into its power, Look what, look what happens. Do you see the word? Look at the contrast in, the, in this proverb, in, the, in these first two lines. When you are disconnected from the power of God's spirit, you and I run what? We run scared. Look, at, we are scared. We look at the conditions of the world. We listen to the news. We listen to all that, and we run scared. And that, be, that means that when you and I have stepped out of God's power, you and I run scared. Look at the second line. But the righteous, the righteous, remember, we've been given that title because of Jesus. But we, if we want to remain in that title, what does righteous mean? It means living right. And so if you want to keep living right, then you and I have to work at this. And when you do work at it, that's why I mean, through Proverbs, through Romans, Paul and Solomon both say how over and over again. I remember, I'll never forget the comment from one of you gals that said, when we were talking about uh, um, when your enemy is hungry, feed him. When your enemy is thirsty, give him a drink, you know. I, I just, I love that honest comment, not even a question. That's hard. That's hard to do. I'll never forget that. That was, so, that was so right. It is hard. But that's why there's always a line that will say, but he'll make it right through a while. He will bless you. You will be rewarded. I mean, and look at here. It says, look what happens when you choose to work at being right. You get a boldness. You are sure. You don't let people whip you around. You know it's true. That's a great way to live. It's such a great, I say this over and over, but I love waking up every morning with blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And no matter what happens to me today, nothing or no one can take that away from me. What a difference that makes in the way I get up, the way, the way I choose my attitude for the day. I mean, when I get up knowing that without a doubt, but what a difference it makes when I get up and I'm crabby or someone has crossed me and I've been treated unjustly and wah, wah, wah. I mean, you can almost see that the attitude and that I choose that. I choose that. My wine. That's right. Okay. When a country is rebellious, it has many rulers. You know, sometimes, you know, a country, church, uh, 
home. I mean, you can put that whatever you want. When it, when it chooses to, to not follow the simple principles of God's word, and like I said, that's just, it's, it's, it's not confusing. It's, you keep the Bible open. You choose to live and preach by it. You, but you know, when, when you don't, then you're listening to so many different areas. You're listening to so much. Yeah, but so-and-so said this, but so-and-so said this, but the news said this, and no, no, no. Do you find how confusing that can be? Do you find what can happen to you when you start letting your mind believe that there's other ways of, of, um, of listening, that there's other smarter people? No, there's no one smarter than this book. And when you live your life and when you believe not by what people are saying, not what the news is saying, not even who's in, in authority over us because we know God's put him there. For whatever reason, we trust that. And we are taught, taught to pray and to surrender and to keep recommitting. That's what we're told to do. And when we do what the Bible says, look what happens. But a man of understanding and knowledge maintains order. Do you find no confusion? When you really believe that he, you put your trust in him, when you really believe that your hope is in him, when you really believe that he's in control of all things, I don't know. I'm not confused. But let me tell you, when you're listening to other voices, when you're listening to other things, I'm telling you, that's what when a country is rebellious because you don't want to believe that this is the infallible word of God and God has wisdom for you and this is the way he expects us to live. Boom, boom. I mean, it's non-negotiable. It's no nonsense. There are... You, I just saw so much in that simple little proverb. Okay, now, a ruler who oppresses the poor is like a driving rain that leaves no crops. I want you to look at some of these proverbs today. And even though Solomon is going to say it in a lot of different ways, but what he really means is when you do it your own way, when self is, when you, you know, when self is in control, guess what? It's all about who? It's, that's right. And I know we don't want to admit it. I don't know. I don't want to even, even think that I could possibly, but it is. When I don't, when I want my way and I stick my little heels in the, in the sand and I say, this is the way. And, and when I get into that kind of mode, guess what? results are going to be pointless. There's going to be no lasting eternal results. I looked at that verse and I just wrote three words, heartless, pointless, useless. And do you really want your life to be like that? Do you want your life to count for heartless, pointless, useless? And when self is first, when self is on the throne, that's exactly what we are. Heartless, pointless, useless. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked. Well, that's a no-brainer. Those who forsake the law, those who don't want to listen to God's word. And, and I did that throughout these two Proverbs. I kept saying, those who forsake God's word. Those who don't listen and study and take the time and do what it says. Those who don't do that, oh, man, they're going to defend. the and, 
and again, a lot of times we look at that word wicked and we don't associate that to even good people. Oh, even good church people. He is making us take a look and say, you know what? It's one or the other. When even good church people have disconnected from the Holy Spirit and they want their way. And the, this is this is what this is the kind of mood then that comes out, and this is the crabbiness, and this is the, you know. He said, I want you to know that those who forsake to listen to God's word, they praise the wicked. I mean, the misery enjoys company. They watch them band together. But those who keep God's word, look at the contrast. When you are listening to God's word, you know what? You don't even want a part of that. Remember, what was it, two weeks ago with the Proverbs where it says, where it says in case, you know, if you don't dare turn around when, when you have somebody who is operating in, in the self and in the wickedness, and if you are standing there, if you don't turn around and walk away or dare say something, you are just, you've put yourself right, right there with them. And you've been identified with them. And anybody who's listening and watching this is going to associate you with that. So those of us say God's word because of worried about what people might think or because, you know, it's a popular thing and, and you just don't want to rock the boat and you don't want to make it an issue. Oh, well, let's, you're just going to gonna waltz yourself right into that kind of environment. But those who are willing to keep God's word, you, you want to stay away from that as much as you can. You don't even want to get near that because you know that it can rub off on you. I mean, I go back to that story. I mean, it's such a simple story we all know, but this is the story of Joseph. I mean, there is a, a good-looking man who really could have got a big notch in his belt knowing that, that it was Potiphar's wife that wanted him. Can you imagine the breaking rights after an episode with her? And yet he said, I can't do that against God. I can't do that against your husband. And, and, and so she grabs him. And what does he know? Boy, if I don't run, I'll leave my coat. I'll let my coat be. I'm getting out of here. I love that. Sometimes you just have to know that if you aren't careful, you're going to work yourself right into that kind of environment. Because you know why? Your itching ears want to hear that. Yourself just is drawn to that. And that's what Solomon and Paul both have tried to tell us. Know how bad you are. Know how ugly it looks. Know how much damage it can do. Evil men do not understand justice. Yeah, evil men, those who don't want it. Because you, know, you know what justice means? It means um, wrong has to be righted. It means that there might, there might be some discipline necessary. To make something, because someone is just, sometimes there has to be some correcting, and that's not always pleasant. So, sure, the, you know, the person that is disconnected from God, that's why Solomon kept saying over and over, and, and he will say it again in, this, in these two chapters, too, how, yeah, it's not, it's not easy to be corrected. It's, it's hard when someone comes up to you and says, you know, um, I think you handled this not in the right way. Oh, unfortunately, um, I had someone do that to me this morning. I wish, I wish, I wish with all my heart that I handled it the right way. But no, you know, I was hurt. And, and I, oh, I might as well tell you. 
As maybe you can associate, you know? I'm just saying, this is how much don't ever put a person on a pedestal. Because, I mean, this is how self can... Tom, Tom had a great report Tuesday. He went for a six-week checkup, and his knee was great. And the doctor said, Tom, you can drive. Everything is fine. Oh, you know what Tom did? He handed me his cane, and he walked to the car and went to the driver's seat. And he drove home. This guy, I thought, my man is back. It was great. And then Wednesday, we had to go to a funeral, and, and I had my mom and Tom, and I, I was working with my mom, and, and I thought Tom was with Chad, and, and um, so I, all of a sudden, I looked up, and, and Tom was falling, and he fell, and food was flying, and he was, oh, my heart just broke, and, and he, he did not get hurt. He did not re-injure any knee. He, he's, he was perfectly fine, but mentally, it did a whale of a damage to him. And he was so embarrassed, and he, he got scared. And so he went back to his chair, and he is motionless. And, and I, I got to tell you, the last few days have been really difficult because I know what the doctor said, and I know that his pride was hurt, and I know that he's scared and all that, but he has just been so crabby, and he has just not been nice, and he's been bossy to me. And you know what I did? <laughs> I said, that's it. And, and no, don't love it, because I was wrong. I was wrong. And yes, I can enable him. I've got to keep encouraging him, but I handled it wrong. My emotions, I got mad instead of, I got mad. I got sick of it. My human flesh in my own self, I got sick of it. And so I looked at him, I said, I'm done. You're able, get up. I didn't say all that, <laughs> but I was thinking it, so I might as well have said it. And this morning when I was talking about it and I was telling Bonnie and I was telling Mary and I was saying, I know I was feeling justified for that. <laughs> Mary said to me, hmm, I wonder what Jesus would do. I know that we are, need to be, we, we can't enable them, but did I really react with the unconditional love of Christ? Could I have said it different? Could I handle him a little better? Oh, yes, I could have. Am I proud of this? Of course not. Why am I telling you this? Because I want you to think that, oh, Nell does it right all the time. But I'm telling you this because this is what we're up against we do not always act right and because self is just this close. And we can justify it. And for a, for a few minutes, for a few minutes, evil men do not understand justice. That's me. Because you know what? I didn't, I didn't want the discipline. I didn't, want, I didn't want to be told that I was wrong. I, didn't, I wanted to be, think that I handled it right because Tom needed it. No. You know, and maybe some of you are thinking, well, you know, yeah, he did it. No, justice means I do it right. But how easy self can get in the way and you can justify it yourself. But I needed to be told this morning 
Do we like to be rebuked? No. And one of the Proverbs is going to say that again to us. No, no. I want you to think that I always do it right. But this morning, I needed someone to care about me enough to say, no, Linnell, you didn't. Those who seek the Lord fully understand it. And that's the thing. Isn't that what you and I want? Don't we desire to understand God's word and where we need to be corrected if we need be? I I fully understand that now. Oh, these proverbs, these proverbs, that's why we can't, even though we're winding down, we need to keep going over them because it is God's instruction to us because he knows what we're up against and our greatest problem is our own self. In everyday human experiences, we need to be hearing God tell us how to act and do and be. Because our human flesh just feels so justified sometimes. Better a poor man whose walk is blameless than a rich man whose ways are perverse. When he's talking about a poor man and when he's talking about a rich man, get, get over the fact he's talking about money. A poor man is maybe, maybe you know, maybe they haven't... Um, in the world's eyes, achieve greatness. Maybe they are one of those servants that just, they don't need a lot of pats on the back. They don't need to be upfront. They don't need to be noticed. A poor man, maybe they don't get a whole lot of credit here. This is the way I looked at that. Better a poor man whose walk is blameless than maybe someone who has all the accolades, has all the everything, but they're not living right. Because all they care about is themselves. If you want to look at poor man as someone who is, who is um, who the Holy Spirit is running the show. And the rich man, maybe, maybe you need that kind of symbolicity. And the rich man is someone who self is. And maybe it might look like that they, that they have achieved a lot in their own self. But according to Solomon, he's saying, you know what, it's better it is so much better when you dare, even though it might be a quieter way, maybe it will be a less applauding way, but better to walk according to God's way than it is to be noticed and to be somebody. Did you ever hear that phrase? Be somebody. We all want to be somebody. And that is such a phrase that I know that we're pulled with a flesh to be somebody that the world knows, that, that the world appreciates, that the world acknowledges, all those kinds of things. But be somebody means who you are in Christ Jesus. You can't be a better somebody than to know that you're his child and everything that he's promised, he can't wait to give to you. He who keeps the law is a discerning son, but a companion of gluttons disgraces his father. But a companion of gluttons. That's, again, it's all about self, those who care about themselves. But to me, these, these proverbs, like I prayed this morning, these proverbs, even they, though they talk about our children, I mean, we all want a child that is making right choices, right? I mean, he who, he who keeps... God's word is a discerning son, makes right choices. We, we love, oh, man, there's nothing greater than we think when our children are listening to God's word and they are making the right choices. 
But whenever I've been reading these Proverbs, it kind of reminds me, um, uh, you know, yeah, it's good when you have a child that, that is doing that. However, it, to me, these Proverbs are just as much about me as my kid. Because how were they going to know God's word? How were they going to know how to make good choices? So whenever he's talking about children, I think he's talking to me, saying, your job is never done. And it should be your momentum to be able to keep growing and to keep living this out and keep believing it with all your heart because that is then what they will see. Because they need to learn. Because they're not born with a discerning heart. Just like you and I weren't. We have to learn that. We've got to apply God's word. We listen to God's word, and now what do we need to do? We need to be able to share that and teach that to them. And you can't bring someone any farther than you are. He who increases his wealth by exorbitant interest amasses it for another who will be kind to the poor. Now, maybe there's many ways you could look at that, but I believe that the Lord has, there are certain people that the Lord has given the ability to make money. There's just some people who just plain know how to make money. They know how to invest right or whatever. They just plain know how to make money. Now, the thing is, I think generally is saying to whoever I give gifts to, Gifts are not something that that he gives for us to hoard for our own self. He gives us gifts so that we in turn can use for him. And so here, I think even though he might be talking about someone who just makes a lot of money, I think he's talking about, okay, you've been given gifts. You, you excel in a certain area because the Lord gave you the ability to. I mean, you know, I, I look at you, Rosellen, and you keep talking about that wonderful husband of yours who is a great lawyer. You know that the Lord gave him a real sharp mind, a real great ability to be able to be a great lawyer. You know, and I, I look at, um, you know, you, Lisa, I mean, you're, you, your husband's been given an uncanny ability in, in surgery. I mean, these are, I mean, you, we can't help but, you know, look at these gifts. Connie, we think of Bob. I'm getting so brilliant mind in the law. And, and I mean, I could go down. I mean, many of you have been given great abilities, very much so. And, uh, and so some of us, we, we look at your abilities and we think, oh, my, I sure wasn't given that one. Well, yeah, because the Lord had a different plan for you. I think this proverb is trying to say to all of us, whoever I gave the, a special, unique ability what does he expect us to use it for? For him. That's right. And so when he turns it around, it says, oh, who will be kind to the poor? You are to take the ability that you were given, maybe an extra measure of. You were gifted in that area, but it wasn't for you to hoard. I don't know, maybe this is, maybe this is really far-fetched, but I, I, you know, in my field of music, I just, I look at, I look at Celine Dion, I look at Barbara Streisand, and I look at these, unfit, these phenomenal voices that they did not achieve that on their own. God, when he created them, gave them a set of pipes like none other. And I think to myself, oh my goodness, I wonder what the Lord is thinking when I look at this talent. And I know they've been entertainment and I know they, they've sung some great songs and that, but just think about if they would have used those gifts for God's kingdom. 
I think this is what he means. He, he, he gifts us and he blesses us to be able to take these unique gifts that he, like none other. So that we take these gifts and all for one cause, all for the kingdom. If anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, I hope that when you study scripture now, you take a look at these little words. And you, when you see that word if, what should that show you right off the bat? When you read a word if, what does that say? You've got a what? You've got a choice. So if you choose not to listen, I mean, so that means that you can choose to listen. But he's saying, if you choose to turn a deaf ear to God's word, even your prayers are detestable. Boy, I circled this proverb because to me, this is major. Because we think, okay, let me use this for an example. How about when you, when you step into your place of worship and you are singing and praising because you know, you know what prayer really is, don't you? Prayer is not. See, when I was a little girl, I used to, this is what I was taught prayer was. At, at mealtime and at bedtime, you close your eyes, you fold your hands, and at mealtime, Lord bless this food and drink. We all had to do that all around the table. And then at bedtime, I had kneel by my bed, close my eyes, fold my hands now and lay me down to sleep. That's what we, that to me is what I thought prayer was. Even though it's true, it is an element of prayer. When I can close the world out and I can talk to an almighty God, that is true. It's just an element of prayer though. Prayer, according to Paul, is something we should never stop. So obviously I, I can't shut my eyes. I'm driving a car. <laughs> Prayer is something so much bigger than I think what we have been raised with because prayer is that connection that our spirit and God's spirit stay connected. Because the minute you disconnect, you are then controlling your own life and you have lost the power of God's spirit and you are now living under your own power. And I pity me and you when that happens. So, what is prayer then? Oh, it, it's been so many things already, what, we did, what we've done. Our prayer time is when we started singing, Jesus paid it all, or when we started singing, holy, holy, Lord God Almighty. Prayer was when we came and we started caring for one another, and then we took these requests before. Yes, that is prayer too. Prayer is also when you and I, when I said open your Bibles and we opened up the two covers and the word is near us. And this is, this is prayer. We connected through his word, our spirit to his spirit. Don't you feel the power this morning? All of this is prayer. That's why Paul says never stop, never disconnect. Because if you disconnect... I had a lady that was so convicted with this Thursday because, oh, she is one that loves to sing. In fact, if I don't let her stand up and raise her hands and just, I mean, I mean, I tell her, you go ahead and do it. You stand on the chair if you want to. I mean, I don't care what you do. But she, but in, in, my, in my heart, I always knew, you know, you, you don't see the reason why I'm doing things, why I don't make everybody stand up on the chair. I'd just like to see gay. I'd like to see you start to get on that chair. I mean, there's some of us that cannot stand up on a chair. Maybe not everybody feels compelled to do all the, because sometimes in our own heart, we can be, we can be praising. And I saw this. She always kind of put me down. Now you just don't praise right. 
You did stand this morning. Yeah, but you did stand on the chair. Um, no, no, but you did stand, and I know, I know. It. But, the thing, but the thing is, sometimes I think that we feel that we've got to, I mean, for her to say to me, you don't praise right. I'm maybe a little more conservative in my praise, but she doesn't know. And then she, 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 this proverb convicted her. She said, does this proverb say to me that even though, even though I might have an unconfessed sin, I might have something in my heart, but if I come in and I just raise my hands and I start praising, um, I said, yep, it's detestable to him. In other words, the Lord can see your heart and you can just act on the outside that you are just all walking with him. And if you have an element in your heart and life that is keeping, is keeping the Holy Spirit and you've disconnected, but boy, you don't want anybody to know that you're disconnected from the Holy Spirit because, boy, you can praise like none other. I said, you know what he's saying? Be still. I don't even want to hear it. I know these proverbs, I mean, they, they come right at you. He's saying, make sure her, because you want that connection with him, because if it is not connected and you're doing it in your own strength and in your power, because you've turned a deaf ear to God's word, you're listening to you instead of him. This so-called connection you have with him, it's detestable. He who leads the upright along an evil path. He who leads an upright along the evil path will fall into his own trap. You think, how can someone lead someone who is upright down the wrong path? Oh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, it's, it's you who um, disconnected, and even though, no, you didn't lose your salvation. No, the Lord still loves you. Yes, you know, um, because of, you, of your disconnection, you've lost something with your relationship with him. And you know what that did? It turned you weak. And you're then easily swayed. So you could learn that proverb, and it can be any one of us. If, if um, you're standing there with a group of people and their conversation goes negative and your, their conversation goes complaining and critical and gossipy and all that kind of thing, instead of turning around and walking away or instead of saying something, you've just joined right in on that. Guess what? They've just taken you by the hand and they just led you along. Don't think it can happen to you. Only those who are clinging with all of their might and their, their, their prayer life, is their connection with the Holy Spirit is intact. Then you have the boldness to do what's right instead of running in fear and standing there doing nothing. But the blameless will receive a good inheritance. The blameless. When you do it right, what is your inheritance? What is your inheritance? It's heaven. It's, it's what we know is coming. But I think our inheritance is even the satisfaction of knowing you did it right. Because what does he promise? A blessing. Abundant life. A blessed life. When you do it right, that's our inheritance. When does our eternal life begin? It begins on the day of our salvation. And so I can experience my inheritance already now. I can already start to experience the abundant life. I can, ex I can experience now his blessings of what he promised me when I do it right. 
A rich man may be wise in his own eyes, but a poor man who has discernment sees through him. Okay, I'm going to get right down and dirty on this a little bit because I have to say I wanted to, I wanted to have this proverb come into full reality to me. So Sunday night, I turned on. I knew, I knew, I said, Lord, you know my motive, so um, please be okay with this. I turned on the Academy Awards. I turned it on for a little while because I wanted to make sure that this proverb was right on the money, and it is. Because, you know, these, these people who are um, powerful and wealthy and, and, and the world looks up to and now they've got a voice and they were the pins and all this kind of thing. Not that I believe that, we sh- that women should be not uh, um, taken care of and uh, all that kind of thing. But, but I watched all that for just a little while. I watched and they stood on their soapbox, and they thought they were so smart in their own eyes. And who am I? A nobody watching the show. And I'm looking at that, and I think, you know what? I see right through all that nonsense. You need Jesus. All of you rich people, all of, all of, you, all of you powerful people, all you Hollywood people, you need Jesus. And who am I? A nobody. But I got to tell you, I'm richer than you are. And you need a savior. And yet they stood up there and then I turned it off because I, I saw enough. I saw this proverb is true. Someone like that may be wise in their own eyes. And yet a poor man like me who is, has discernment, guess what? I saw right through that. Their poor lives. That's what I thought. Oh, I feel so sorry for you. You were missing it. The majority of you are just missing it. If you don't have Jesus as your personal Savior, you're missing this. And I can see that. And I'm a nobody in the world's eyes. You think about how many can't find it. They cannot find it because they're searching for the one thing that God created us with, and that is the need for him. But again, I'm not surprised because in Revelation it said even during the tribulation there's going to be people. I mean, how can you not seek God's power when, you, when you're studying the tribulation? How can you not see God's power? And yet it said they shake their fist at him and they'd rather curse his name than believe in him. They are so concerned about, see, but see how the self-consumption, you are so consumed Okay, when the righteous triumph, there is great elation. But when the wicked rise to power, men go into hiding. You know, sometimes when we feel the wicked go into power or whatever, um, I look at sometimes the church. I look at the church then and the church now, and I think uh, over uh, when, the, when the church is persecuted, when they have to go into hiding, what happens? It grows. That's right. That's why I am done with being concerned. I'll do what I can as an American citizen, but I am done worrying about it because, again, my stability does not base on a person because I believe that God is up to something, and anybody who is in authority over me, God has there for a reason. Maybe it is to jumpstart the Christians. To, to Maybe persecution will get us going. When things are going too easy and too good, we get lethargic. So 
I think the 12th verse of this of this proverb, um, this particular proverb in the 28th chapter, I think went with, went, went with last week's lesson, so hand in hand, Romans 13. He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Solomon will make sure, won't he, that every once in a while he'll bring in that plan of salvation. Just a, a reminder, if you conceal your sins, and that's why in the, in the formula of salvation, confession and repentance is the first step, but that's why a lot of people can't get beyond that. They cannot confess and repent because what, what does it show? I mean, that's why I say on the day of your salvation, if you don't have the absolute worst day of your life, it will never turn into the best day. Because what need you and I do to be able to experience the forgiveness of sins and the salvation under the blood of Christ? What is the first step? Confession and repentance. Romans 10, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, that means you cry out to him because you know you can't do it and you see yourself for what you are. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord with that kind of humble attitude. He promises, I'll save you. So if you have too much pride of self to be able to say, I am a sinner, I confess, I repent. And sometimes, you know, even when you go back, when you go to Revelation and you hear the seven letters and you hear Jesus say to John, John, write this down, these five churches in particular, you make sure they know that, yes, I do see some good in their lives. And again, these letters are personal. It doesn't necessarily mean a church without four walls. It's maybe talking to you. He's saying, I want to thank you for all the good that you're doing for me, but I see some hidden things that are standing in the way. He said, you who conceal sin, you are going to miss it. You will not prosper. You will not gain the fullness of what I have for you. If you are not repenting, of unconfessed sin, but whoever confesses or renounces them find mercy. Between this week's lesson and next week's lesson, boy, we are going to be singing, I'm free from the fear of tomorrow. I'm free from the guilt of my past because I've traded all my shackles for this glorious song. He set me free. There is so something so beautiful when we can uh, confess and renounce our sin. Oh, he takes it away. Blessed is the man who always fears the Lord. Oh, and you don't want to miss what he's got. When he says he'll bless, you don't want to miss that. So he says, I want you to fear me. I want you to have a healthy a respect for me. I want you to keep me on the throne. I need you to stay connected to my Holy Spirit. And if you do, I'll bless you. But he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. Like a roaring lion or a charging bear is a wicked man ruling over a helpless people. A roaring lion or a charging bear is a wicked man, a, self, a self-consumed person. I, I sometimes change the words because it helps me to see. When you are so self-consumed, you don't care what you do or who you have to hurt to get to where you want to be. A, tyrann a tyrannical ruler, I don't know, I, I might mispronounce that, but it, it's a person who exercises power in a cruel way. 
See, now these next, this next section of Proverbs here, it has to do with people that are totally out of control, who are self-consumed, who don't realize the severity of self. I mean, we can even exercise power in a cruel way. And you lack judgment. You're not thinking straight. But he who hates ill-gotten gain will enjoy a long life. When you do it right, you experience that right living feeling. Oh, I mean, like like me, I, I just would much rather, I would much rather experience that, that I did it right instead of what I'm experiencing a little bit this morning. You know, you just, you, when you know, you, you exercised your power. <laughs> he had it coming, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, um, I lack judgment there. <laughs> and I can't, I don't have that good feeling that I did it right. And that's what I think. It's a, but he who hates ill-gotten gain will enjoy a long life. It means... It just feels right to know. It's, it's like going to bed at night knowing, you know what? I could have said and I, I wanted to say, but I didn't. And then he goes on in the same kind of a thing. He says, a man tormented by the guilt of murder. He's saying, okay, here's the contrast. This is what you have. The reason why I've given you the, the guilt is because I want you to do something about it. I, well, if we didn't have guilt... If he, didn't, if he didn't give us the gift of guilt, what would we do with our sin? Nothing. So a man tormented by guilt will be a fugitive till death. And there's only one way you can get rid of guilt, and that is going to the cross of Christ and repenting and confessing and, and hearing him say those great words. I'll remember that no more. Let no one support him. You know, it's so easy to, you know, to say what people want to hear. Sometimes we have to honestly say what they don't want to hear, but what they need to hear. He whose walk is blameless is kept safe. Yeah. You're kept safe of what? Guilt and regret and all those kinds of things. If you do it right, you won't have to experience all that consequence. But he whose ways are perverse will suddenly fall. He who works his land will have abundant food, but the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. He who works his land. Now, we understand that in a reality way physically. If you work, you gain, you know, but he's talking spiritually too. When you work at it, when you put in the effort, you will be richly blessed. You will have abundance of food, spiritual food, fruit of the spirit coming out of you. But he whose ways are perverse, or, or, um, but the one who chases fantasies will have his fill of poverty. What, to me, the greatest fantasy is when I think I'm sufficient, when I think that I'm okay, when I think I can handle this situation. That is the greatest fantasy in the world. 
A faithful man will be richly blessed, but one ear to get rich will not go unpunished. So here's the contrast again. You live right, you'll experience a great blessing. You don't do it right, you don't listen to God's word, you you get rich in self and you, your own ways. Um, guess what? Uh, just like Solomon said a couple weeks ago when he says, uh, um, be sure of this, the wicked will be punished. It might look like they're getting away with it now, but you will be punished. Sin will be dealt with. The next verses all pretty much um, talk about how blinded we can be with self. And, but again, look at the 23rd. He who rebukes a man will in the end gain more favor. I mean, no, that's not at the moment. It hurts. You don't want it. But yet if it gets you back in the right place, then he who has a flattering tongue. Oh, don't we love it when people just flatter us? Oh, yeah. And I do believe, and I, I think the word is flatter, because sometimes, you know, when you want to encourage somebody, that's, there's a difference between encouragement and flattery. <clears throat> and flattery, when you are constantly just flattering somebody, you usually have a hidden agenda. Or you might want them to think this one, but as soon as their back is turned, you just throw, throw a, something right in their back. I, I don't like that word flatter. I don't trust it. A greedy man, um, oh, he who robs his father or mother and says it's not wrong. I mean, he uses that as, you know, there's so many of us that try to justify. And say, oh, it's just a little white lie. Oh, it's not that big a deal. Oh, it's not going to really matter. If it goes against God's principles and God's word. Look what he says. Look what he says. You partake with who? You have just joined hands with who? The devil himself. A greedy man stirs up dissension. Last week we heard Paul say, let us behave decently. And decent living means, decent living means that you and I are not subject of division and dissension and causing ruckus. A greedy man, when all he cares about is himself, then all, let's just get everybody all worked up. And he who trusts the Lord will prosper. I'll tell you, it's a wonderful feeling instead of trying to get everybody worked up to have the peace of mind that God knows and God will handle it. He who trusts in himself is a fool. I love the way Solomon just cuts to the chase. But he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. I just want to get to a few in chapter 29. It says, a man who remains stiff-necked and after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. Boy, if that doesn't raise the hair on your arms. There's a day that's coming when there will be no more chances. And none of us knows what tomorrow will bring. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation because tomorrow you might not have tomorrow. And once you take your last breath here, and if you have not committed your life to Christ, guess what? Too late. So Solomon said, I just want to make sure you know there is going to be a time. And look what he says here in, in verse 4. A, by justice, a king gives country stability. That can be in a church. That can be in your home. I love to make it personal. By justice, 
me as a wife and a mother, I can give stability to my home. But one who is greedy when it's all about the bribe, for bribes tears it down. If you decide, you know, I, I, I always believed that if I wanted a stable home, then we all had to be in compliance. And sometimes that took discipline. Sometimes that took guidelines and rules. Sometimes that took unconditional love. But this is the way our home is stable. When we're following the principles of God's word. And then he uses the word flatter again. He says, you keep flattering somebody, you just like put a net under them. They're going to trip themselves up. They're going to tangle themselves. They're going to start believing all those things. Look at verse 6. An evil man is snared by his own sin, but a righteous one can sing and be glad. Okay, which would you rather? Do you want to be snared by your sin? Do do you want that sin because you're not connected to him and yourself is just reigning? Let me tell you, it never ends pretty. You'll trip yourself up. You'll be snared by your own sin. Or would you rather, when you want to sing, if you feel like singing, why? Why do you feel like singing? Because you have joy. You have something to sing about. Look at uh, verse 11. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. I mean, you know, here's an, a verse 9. I kind of, instead of a, a wise man goes to court with a fool, the fool rages and scoffs and there is no peace. Bloodthirsty men hate a man of integrity and seek to kill the upright. You talk about Proverbs that show what it's like when self is out of control. When you are disconnected from God's spirit and there is no fruit, and there's just fruit of self coming out of you, then this is the way you look. When self is, when self is out of control. But a wise man keeps himself under control, verse 11. Verse 19, a servant cannot be corrected by mere words, though he understands he will not respond. To me, if that doesn't show that, yes, you can listen, yes, you can learn, but if you don't apply it and put it into action, you can be sitting in here this morning saying, whoa, man, those are good proverbs. Yes, sir, I I learned, I listened. And you walk out of here and you don't apply them to your life, you might as well not even come this morning. Because just knowing them in your head, And just saying, oh, I really needed to hear that. So Solomon said, you have to pay attention and apply what you've learned. And let this change you so you see less and less of you because you are up against a major enemy, and that's you. Look at verse 22. An angry man stirs up dissension, and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. It's so hard. I just want to do every one. I mean, I I was going to skip 21, but again, if a man pampers his servant from youth, he will bring grief in the end. That's, you know what? I turned servant to my kid, and I changed the word pamper to spoil. If I spoil my kid from youth, I don't believe in guidelines and discipline and unconditional love and and adherence to God's word. I am leading them right into destruction. 
A man's pride brings him low. Verse 23, a man's pride brings him low, but a man of lowly spirit gains honor. I went to James 1, and I just love it. I just, I just, and I keep saying that too because I think the visual is so beautiful because James says, for you who think you're not worthy of salvation, he will raise you. And to you who think you're so good enough of yourself, he will lower you because you will all see the cross of Christ in the same way. But I couldn't help but think of Billy Graham. And I know he wouldn't want us talking about him like this, but to me, it shows that a human being can live right. His integrity, but look at, but a man of lowly spirit gains honor. Look at the way, look at the way that, that prison pine box, that prisoner pine box casket was brought in by those into the Capitol Rotunda. I mean, to me, that just said, the Lord says, I will see to it. You, the lowly, will be brought to honor and to be honored by the almighty God, to be able to hear him say, well done. And finally, the 27th, it said, the righteous detests the dishonest. I mean, to me, he ends these, because now the, the last two chapters of Proverbs are going to be completely different. So he's ending these two liners. But probably the most basic thing of all, he says, the righteous detest. You and I, when we live right, we should detest living wrong. We should absolutely, we should just hate it. Remember when it says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. The more that I live right, I should be seeing more and more that I just hate it when myself comes into being. I should hate it when I, when I hear about the, the disobedience and the dishonesty and all that. I should, I should just, it should just really bother me. Instead of just pass by and it's like, well, that's 2018. That's the culture of our day. No, we should just hate it. The righteous detests. But then look at the wicked detests the upright. See, I mean, it's, if you ever want to see, that's why Jesus says, don't ever be yoked with an unbeliever because he said you have nothing in common. Because you're on so totally two different roads. I was kind of doing this. I was kind of doing this when I was studying. I thought, okay, um, the dishonest um, and and the righteous. When self is in control and when the Lord is in control, guess what? We're going in two totally different directions. And they will never meet. They, it doesn't go like that. They are going in opposite directions. To me, he ended these proverbs by saying, okay, you got two roads. And you have to decide what you're going to do and where you're going to go with this. And like that, well, we heard, this isn't easy. Nope, it isn't easy. But when you give him the time, you give him the effort, you show him that you have a desire in your heart to listen to his word and to apply it to your life, he will always make it worth our while. And when we fall short, and we do, see it. Dare see it. And let it be exposed. Let it do something to you. I hate it. So that you change. And what do we know? That if we confess 
He is faithful and just to what? Forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and get us back on the right road. So good lesson. Have a good week, everybody.